Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 669. Go to the edge of the cliff because you just might fly. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited today to introduce today's very special guest, Lee Diffie. Hey, Lee, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready, Mark. Ready to go. All right. Lee Diffie is a native of Brisbane, Australia, who lives here in the United States and is a play-by-play announcer with NBC Sports. Lee's the voice of Formula One, television, along with IndyCar. He travels the world covering Formula One along with David Hobbs and Steve Matchett. He was Speed's announcer and host for the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, U.S. Rounds of the MotoGP, and he was a regular host on Speed Center and the Speed Report. No doubt you've heard his voice on numerous other sports coverage shows around the world with his technical prowess, including the Olympics, the World Cup, Luge, NASCAR, golf, sailing, and rugby. Lee's also worked on the BBC, commentating the Superbike World Championship and World Rally Racing. So, Lee, I told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. Um, just listening to, to what you just said, it, it still um, hits home in a big way. You know, when you said, you know, Lee Diffie works for NBC Sports and Within the same sentence, within the same paragraph, you said from Brisbane, Australia, and it's still, <laughs> it's still quite amazing to me that I'm a, I'm a boy from Brisbane, Australia, and and been living here in the U.S. for 15 years now, and, yeah. and very proud to to work for a company and a network like NBC Sports. So it's it's been a long journey. It's been a long road. This is my 20th year in television. Oh my gosh! But it's been a fun journey, and uh, it's uh, some days are, are harder than others. Um, it's not always easy work. It looks easy, but it's not. But boy, I love it and feel incredibly uh, privileged to uh, to have the job that I do. Well, I told Lee in our pre-show chat. I felt like I know him, even though I've never met him, because every Sunday morning I'm watching the races, eating my pancakes, and uh, drinking my coffee. And there he is, along with his other co-hosts, and and bringing us all the fun, informative news about racing. And and I really appreciate what you've done. I do feel like I know you, even though, like I say, we've never met. It's a thrill to have you here, and we're going to learn a little bit more about you as we continue on this journey. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is 
some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. How we say it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Lee, take the wheel. Well, um, if, if I really think about it hard, I have to go back a long time, back to the late 1980s, and there was a, uh, a creative, I think you could probably call him a creative genius in the advertising world in Australia called Simon Reynolds. And 60 Minutes, the show that we're all familiar with, 60 Minutes, has, yes. an Australian, has an Australian version as well. And Simon was featured as one of three up-and-coming people from various walks of life who were millionaires before they were 30. Wow. And he was in, as I said, in, in advertising, and uh, he created uh, what was a very controversial ad about AIDS. It featured a grim reaper in a bowling alley, and the human beings were the, were the ten pins. Mm. Uh, Anyway, um, that was just the beginning. He now lives here in America. He uh, is very wealthy, very successful, and he coaches entrepreneurs and, and business executives. He's, very, he's a successful author, a very motivating character. Anyway, when he was on that show, when he was on 60 Minutes, I, was, I think I was just finishing up high school, so it was at a very important stage of my life. I was about to head off to university and kind of get all grown up. Yeah. And he was talking about what drives him and what motivates him and how he likes to motivate people. And he used the analogy of go to the edge of the cliff and the other person says, no, 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 it's too dangerous. Go to the edge of the cliff. No, 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 I'm afraid of heights. Go to the edge of the cliff. No, 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 I might fall. Go to the edge of the cliff because you just might fly. <laughs> yes, nice. That resonated with me. It stuck with me. And, and I tell, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate at NBC to get to speak each year to the intern group where there's dozens and dozens of young, very intelligent youngsters that are motivated and ready to go. And I like to, I like to uh, tell them that story and, and credit Simon Reynolds with that and, and, um, because he certainly had a lasting impact on me. Yeah, I'm very familiar with him. I worked in the advertising business for about 11, 12 years. I was a creative director, so I know the campaign you're talking about. I know who he is. Yeah, very, very successful guy. Give me a little example of how you've used that comment, go to the edge of the cliff in your career as you built it up over the last 20, 30 years. When I was in my early years in television, uh, I started in 1996 in Australia at Network 10 in Sydney as a um, – uh, doing comment, commentating on racing. Uh, my first series was the was the Australian Super Tourers, not the not the V8 supercars, but the two liter Super Tourers, which was derived from the British Touring Car Championship. It was kind of a division of, of that because it was owned by the same same people. And then I got a job as a freelance uh, reporter on a nightly sports show, kind of like ESPN Sports Center. Here it was on it was on Network Ten. That was called Sports Tonight, and that. Those two jobs, you know, I was doing those only for a matter of months and uh, the network got the rights to V8 supercars in 1997. And I was only in my mid-20s, 25 I think I was, and I got asked to be the host and play-by-play of V8 supercars at a very young age. Yeah, and, uh, big job. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I did that and other opportunities came along like within the motorcycle world. I was working with Barry Sheen, the uh, two-time motorcycle world champion and so I got to call the Motorcycle World Championship, V8 Supercars, uh, when the Indy Cars came to Australia, did the Gold Coast race. And within three and a half years, I was doing everything and more that I couldn't, you know, could only have dreamed of doing. Yeah. But I had gone in those three and a half years, I had gone overseas several times to do Formula One launches. And I did in 1998, 99, I did documentaries on the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And I just, I really got 
bitten by the overseas bug mm. and I was very motivated to be the smaller fish in the big pond as opposed to the oh, other way around yeah. by staying in Australia. And so where I used Simon Reynolds, you know, motivational quote was I I had everything I'd, I'd wanted to do in television in Australia. I was in my late 20s and things couldn't have been going better and I walked away from it. I resigned and or I didn't I didn't ask for my contract to be renewed and I went to I moved to London without a job, without wow. anything. You went to the edge of the cliff. Wow. Well, I did. I really did go to the edge of the cliff and 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 I it's not the only time that I've done that because, you know, after working in the UK for a couple of years, then I did exactly the same again and came to America and um I think you have to take that leap of faith sometimes to make it work. Wow. Great story. Appreciate you sharing that and that great quote for sure. Yeah. Dare to fail. That would be the yeah. the other terminology there. Dare to fail because you might just fly. Well, I'd love for you to share a little story about your passion for cars. Now, I know we in our pre-show checklist, you said you weren't a giant car guy, but you've worked in the automotive industry, racing industry, really, as a commentator play-by-play for so long. So you've got to have some passion there somewhere. So is there a pivotal moment when you look back in your life and you realize that cars were important to you? Yeah, I think that's probably you know a similar story to to what many people have in that my dad was a big influence on me. He was the one who got me racing motorcycles. I started racing motorcycles at the age of six. Wow. But, you know, that's the bike side of it. But, you know, just growing up in Brisbane, we just grew up in suburbia and, you know, sometimes quite more often than not on a Saturday afternoon, dad would have his head, you know, under the hood of the car and or he'd be under the car and he'd be working away and I'd just sit there and chat with him and yeah. ask him what he was doing and what was that part on the car. And so I think combined with racing motorcycles and just being around my dad, I think, you know, when you, we can, you know, with hindsight, we can always look back and just say, oh, it's pretty easy to trace the steps as to how, as to how I ended up in this world. Yeah, exactly. Well, in your knowledge of what's going on in the racing world, obviously, you've got to be very knowledgeable. You've got to do a lot of prep, a lot of study, a lot of understanding of not only the cars, but the drivers and teams and all that type of thing. So uh, I think that's one of the great things about having a great play-by-play is he helps us understand what's really going on if we're not that deep into the the field. A lot of us, yeah, spend a lot of time with dads under the hood or under the cars learning about them. Well, Lee, you've chosen um, an interesting path to life. You talked about walking away from a secure job, going to England, doing it again to the U.S. So I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. And of course, the best part of this kind of a story is what did it teach you so you can move forward and gain some even better momentum after that big challenge? Um, I think the the biggest challenge that I that I ever faced was actually more more recently than not. It was in two thousand nine, and I was commentating golf. I was back in Australia quite often. I would do the I would even though I've been living in this in the states for fifteen years. Quite often, when the racing season was finished, I would go back to Australia and commentate golf and things like that, or sometimes even go back and do some of the big races in Australia, like the Bathurst one thousand or what have you. So I did a lot of flip flopping back and forth and. In 2009, uh, I was commentating this, the Australia's uh, summer of golf and it was the Australian Open. And, uh, it was a tournament that Adam Scott had never won. Adam had even the global success that Adam Scott is. He had never won a major tournament in Australia, which was quite strange. Yeah. Anyway, it was the Australian Open and, um, I had been out in Australia for a little while. My dad was ill. And we knew that it was a, you know, it was a one-way street. We knew where it was going. And yeah. uh, I'd, I'd spend some time with my dad. And 
I was three days into the golf tournament, so we had Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sure. Uh, got to I got to work with a childhood hero, Greg Norman. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greg Greg came in to join as part of our team on the Saturday and Sunday. So on the Saturday, it was probably one of the best days of my life because I got to sit alongside in the studio and in the commentary booth with Greg Norman. Yeah. But it was also the worst day because my dad died. Oh, no. Oh, no. I was was in Sydney and he was in Brisbane. And uh, I made the conscious decision not to go home. I spoke with my mom and I said, I want to finish this out. So I went on air the next day for six hours live. Oh, my gosh. Nobody knew that my dad had died. Oh, wow. That taught me. I did it for him. And that taught me that, that if I could do that, I can do anything. Wow. Well, uh, you've got goosebumps on my arms. You, you shared a really personal story, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you got to stay focused to get through something like that and be able to do it. What's your takeaway from not only making that decision to kind of honor your dad, something you obviously your dad taught you about tenacity and fortitude and hard work? Sounds like what, what I'm gleaning from this. But what's your takeaway from that? How, how did you focus to get through something like that? I think probably in a in a bizarre way that that was part of the challenge to to actually really dig you know as deep as you can as deep as you can right to get that focus to you know almost challenge yourself it certainly wasn't a game you you had the best uh, best term there you know I did it to honor my dad so it wasn't a game I wasn't trying to prove anything to anybody because nobody knew um I, right. the only person I was trying to prove something to was myself that I could actually do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the big takeaway that, you know, when you ever, you've always got out, you've always got to, I'm a big believer, you've always got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to challenge yourself. And in any way, that can be anything. If you only ever run three miles, well, try running four miles one day. Or if you only ever go one way to work, try and go a completely different way to work or whatever right. it might be. Get out of your comfort zone and, yes. and challenge yourself. Uh, that's the big takeaway I got from that. Yeah, it, always important to push yourself. It's the only way you're going to grow at all. So, uh, again, thanks for sharing a really personal story. My condolences. Oh, my gosh, tough, tough times. But, wow, big lesson there. Well, let's shift gears here, Lee, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share It's what I call a career aha moment. Uh, when those headlights come on and kind of lead you down a new path, you kind of already taken us there with that trip from Australia to London and then London to the United States. Is there a major aha moment that occurred in your career that you can uh, kind of walk us through? Did you want it to be, I can tell you a TV one or I can tell you a, a business one, an automotive industry related one? Yeah, let's, let's, since it's cars, yeah, let's stick to the cars here. <laughs> so in 2008, I was commentating the Rolex 24 at Daytona and uh, Kevin Buckler, who is a, a very successful uh, racing team owner, yeah. the majority of his career has been with Porsches. He's, he's branched out into other brands now like Aston Martin and what have you, but very successful with Porsches as a driver and as a team owner. However, on, in 2008 at the Rolex 24, his cars finished second, third and fourth instead of first, second and third because they were overheating. Mm. And uh, I went to him. Afterwards, I had known, got to know Kevin quite well over the years, uh, covering the American Le Mans series and Grand Am. And I said to him, "Hey, you know, uh, you just kept complaining on the television about the cars overheating, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think I may have a solution. I'm heading out to Australia next month, and I have some friends who run a big manufacturing company where they make specialized radiators and oil coolers and heat exchangers, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Uh-huh. And I said, I think I might be, have a solution for you. Anyway, long and the short of it, of that story and that aha moment of, of kind of 
seeing something and, and seeing seeing an opportunity. Over the next five and a half years, uh, I ran a business importing these products uh, into the racing world in the US. And Oh, wow. And the majority of sports cars use these products. I'm no longer involved in that business, but it was a wonderful aha moment of, of turning a concept into reality and taking those products into NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, getting them into Porsche in Germany and, you know, really um, running a business that dovetailed nicely with my, my television career at the time as well because I was around that scene. And, yeah, it was very, very, <laughs> very uh, it was it was pretty it was pretty cool time pretty cool period. Uh, yeah i think and you know the the great takeaway i get from that is always have your eyes open for opportunity and what a great opportunity that was wow that's a very cool story i love that it was good to um to do business with the teams because you got to know people on a different level as opposed to just knowing them as a as a commentator or as a host or as a guy, you know, wandering the paddock or the pit lane with his notepad, you know, getting research, you got to know the, the teams and the team owners and the engineers and different people within the team on a different level. So it actually enhanced my commentary by doing that because I knew even more backstories. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. It uh, covered you on both ends. Very cool story. Well, how about a Prouder's career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that stands out you'd share with us? Yeah, the Olympics, being a motor racing commentator predominantly, I, I never expected that I would ever commentate an Olympic Games. So in Sochi uh, two years ago in mm -hmm. Russia at my first Olympics, I've been fortunate enough to do two. Uh, I was in Rio earlier this year. To be uh, a foreign voice on NBC Sports in the play-by-play -play role had never been done by a foreign voice announcer before in oh. the history of the Olympics on NBC. So wow. that was definitely the, the proudest moment of my career. Oh, well, as it should be. And, and I, I listened to you on those Olympics. You did an awesome job. And it brought a nice little flair, I thought, as a commentator for the U.S., but with your accent from Australia, obviously, which I think all of us in the U.S. love Australian accents. They're just... <laughs> They always sound so friendly. I don't think I've ever met anybody from Australia that wasn't friendly. I mean, it's got to be the most amazing continent on the planet. Bravo. Great job there. What a, And obviously, that opens doors to other things, too. So very, very cool. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car. That first car you got didn't have to be your first car, but maybe the first one you got that was really special to you. And maybe uh, share a memory you have of that vehicle. Well, the, the uh, first special car was the first car because it was obviously the first, and uh, it was it was a 1972 Toyota Corolla that I inherited from my older sister. Cool. And being a teenager and having having it, that car and the freedom and just that independence was was amazing. I mean, when you look back on it now, I mean, it was a bucket of bolts. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was it was probably unroadworthy. You know, uh, with the so, quite a bit of rust on the cross members and uh, it was, yeah. uh, I'm lucky to be alive. But <laughs> it was special because not because of what kind of car it was, but it taught me that, you know, just how beautiful it is to get behind the wheel of a car and drive and drive wherever you want to go. And, yeah. you know, more than more than just a, a vehicle from going to A to B, just just about about what driving a car is all about and, and why, why we all love driving cars. Yeah, it's freedom. Now, in Australia, what age do you have to be to be able to drive a car? Wow, that's a good question. I'm kind of a little bit out of touch with that. When I got my license, you could get your learner's permit at, I think, 16 and nine months or basically 17. And then you had to have your learner's permit for six months or something like that. And then you got a provisional license and away you went. I think it's a lot harder now 
where you have to do a hundred hours of supervised driving with parents or an adult or something like that. But basically, yeah, late teens, 17, 18. Yeah. Nothing like that freedom of that first car, man. (laughs) You just think you're so grown up and so big. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you wish you had back? No. No? (laughs) (laughs) Onward and upward to the new car every time. That's okay. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love to hear a little bit about what has you really excited and fired up. We're um, recording this at the end of the year, so it's December 2016. So what's got you really excited and fired up for the coming new year? Well, obviously, Formula One, again, with the turbulent off-season. I mean, it's just been crazy. (laughs) Yes. With, With Nico Rosberg retiring and then there's talk about changes changes in the technical division as well at Mercedes. There's a whole lot of seat shuffling. And then, you know, all of a sudden to have three three of the big names in Formula One go, so Felipe Massa, Jensen Button, Nico Rosberg, it's, it's going to be a very different looking grid, you know, yeah. next year. And then you've got, you know, the young Canadian coming in, uh, Lance Stroll. And, and I mean, there's, there's so much to be excited about with that. IndyCar, I mean, I get Unfortunately, I don't get to do as many IndyCar races as I would like because of the conflicts with Formula One. I mean, how can you not get excited about IndyCar? Uh, and I don't care where it is, what track, whatever it is, because, you know, this this past season, I think for the 11th consecutive year, the championship was decided at the last round. Yes. With no chase format in place. It just happens naturally. Yeah. Which is, I think, a great credit and a, and a wonderful compliment to the series because the racing is just always so exciting. Uh, Dakar Rally is coming up for me. That's the first thing in 2017. There's a lot of um, uh, American involvement. Bryce Menzies, who's a really talented young guy out of out of Las Vegas, Nevada, terrific off-road racer. He's going to tackle the Dakar for the very first time. So that uh, that that really gets my year going. And just recently, I've been taking on rugby. I'm uh, covering the Aviva Premiership rugby out of the UK. And um, it's it's about halfway through the season, so we've got to finish that season off, and we'll have have the first premiership game, like the first final, uh, if you wish, kind of that that league's equivalent to its Super Bowl. Sure. So, yeah. So there's plenty to get my teeth into again, and, and looking forward to it. That's why it's been so hard for me to get you on this show. You are one busy guy. I mean, you are just always on the go, always doing stuff. And uh, of course, we all wish you very well in the new year. You're doing a fantastic job. Now, here's a very introspective question, Lee. Kind of a funny question. If Lee was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I'm thinking about my friends like Calvin Fish and David Hobbs and Steve Matchett and what they'd love to say what, what I would be. They'd probably, say, they'd probably say I should be a minivan, but I don't know. I don't know maybe, a, um, maybe a pickup truck. Okay. And why? But fun, fun and useful. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Well, you answered that very honestly. I don't think that. Any of those guys could give you too much ribbing for that because uh, I always say we all want to be like a sexy Italian sports car, a Ferrari or something. But in reality, eh, that might not be what we really are. So I think think you answered that very well. Well, Lee, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. 
In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market cars yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Hey, this is Mark Green here at Cars yeah. You know how you could really help me out? Along with going to my sponsors and buying something from them, of course, is go to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. That would go a long way to help me continue on this venture here at Cars yeah. I would be very, very grateful. Okay, Lee, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've been at many races. You know what that means. The wife flags out and it's time to put our foot into it. So I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy the least expensive car your ego will allow. <laughs> you know, that's a great answer. I like that. And I know you've got, uh, you've got two boys, I think. Yes, uh, I do. Yeah. yeah, so good fatherly advice for sure. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Just never be afraid to work hard. Yeah. Just, you know, when I first started in the industry, I, n- I never said no. Do you want to work Christmas Day? Yes. You want to work New Year's Eve? Yes. You want to work New Year's Day? Yes. Just never, just never be afraid to, to dig in deep and roll up your sleeves and, and just go hard. Go as hard as you can. Sensibly hard, but yeah. go as hard as you can and, and you'll get there. Absolutely. Walk to the edge of the cliff every day <laughs> to take yeah, us back. that's right. How about a resource? There's tons of great resources out there, but is there one you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, I mean, ha- how could I not say the internet? Because, of course. you know, I worked, I worked in this industry before the internet and then watched and was part of it how the internet changed what we do. The very job I do day in, day out, um, it's unbelievable. In, and sometimes in a good way and sometimes in a bad way. But yeah, how, how could I not say the internet? Yeah, it's just absolutely amazing what can be found out there. And obviously another great resource, NBC Sports to follow along with what you do there. And uh, they've got a tremendous resource online for great things to access there. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read recently? Do you have any time to read books that you could share with the Cars Yeah listeners? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Um, Boys in the Boat, ah. uh, which is a terrific story. because, And I started to read it before I even knew that I was going to do rowing at the Olympics. That's a tremendous book. I think he'd give me a kick up the bum if I, if, uh, if I didn't say A Mechanic's Tale by Steve Matchett. Yes, he would, most definitely. In fact, uh, you've got to introduce me to him so we can get him on the show here. uh, But I'll make sure that uh, when that happens that um, you recommended his book. So those are two great books. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources on Lee's show notes page here at carsyad.com slash Lee Diffie. Just go to the website, type in Lee, L-E-I-G-H, 
and that page will pop up. There's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books where there's almost a thousand books listed there with quick, easy clicks to buy from all my great past guests here. All 668 of them. Holy cow. With Lee being number 669. Incredible. All right. We're up to the checkered flag, Lee. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one really cool collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because Christmas is almost here. I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that vehicle be and why? A Mercedes-Benz 300 SL. Ooh. Gullwing. Ah, okay. The Gullwing. And the orange, the orange one. Oh, my goodness. You picked the orange one. <laughs> the orange one. You know exactly what you want. <laughs> yeah, and I know, and I know someone who has one, and it's 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 amazing. I mean, just and the reason why is is it to me it's just a, such a classic car. Yeah. So if you look at Mercedes, and we often use this uh, in in our broadcasts when we talk about this, the success of Mercedes Benz on the racetrack, but you know, Mercedes was the organization, the company that invented the automobile, and then you look at that 300 SL Gullwing, and not because it's got the cool doors and it's whatever but just look at the lines of the car and just just to me it just screams class it's it screams style it's just a beautiful car it's just beautifully put together oh yeah would you like the rudge knockoffs on that too (laughs) just so i get it right for you (laughs) Sure, sure absolutely oh yeah well and the orange that's a really unique rare color too so many of them are silver or black or even red but yeah in orange very unique car Nice choice. Oh, my gosh. My uh, Santa's budget just got broken, I think. But <laughs> but that's okay for you, Lee. You deserve a car like that. I'd love to see you driving around Monaco during the Grand Prix in that thing, you know, park it, in front, of, park it in front of the casino. I think that would work out really nice for you. So I will get to work on that. Lee, you've taken me on an awesome ride. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the coast in that Mercedes 300 SL going in orange, of course? <laughs> Never be afraid to chase your dreams because mm. they can come true and you can you can make things happen if you really want them to happen. How did a kid from Brisbane, Australia, in the working class suburbs of Brisbane, Australia, end up in Connecticut in the United States working for NBC Sports? You know, So obviously there are limits to everything, but if you don't try – If you don't go to that cliff, you'll never know whether you can fly. Absolutely. Great words of wisdom from a guy who's made it. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and and follow you? Mainly on Twitter. You know, we all do quite a bit of tweeting for work, helping with promote the shows um, that we're on. And we love interacting, you know, with our viewers. It's a really, that's been one amazing, another amazing twist to, you know, life in the media is, is social media Mm -hmm. and, um, because, you know, there's there's people who, you know, some people are more <laughs> more to the point than others, but yeah. you know where you stand with people and, and um I tell you it's it's a tremend that's a tremendous resource in itself because people will give you some terrific feedback that otherwise you, you wouldn't know or you wouldn't have and it doesn't come from your bosses, it comes from a di- completely different angle because the viewers are the ones ultimately that we're trying to please and are, are the end users. Um, so Twitter, at Lee Diffie, and exactly the same on Instagram as well. Um, awesome. Look forward to chatting with anybody on there. There you go. Well, again, listeners, you can find links to everything Lee has shared today on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Lee in the search bar, and that page will pop right up with all those links. Make sure you follow 
what he's doing on NBC Sports in the coming year and um, follow him on Twitter and Instagram as I do as well. Lee, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences in your amazing life with the Cars Yell listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thanks so much. And, and um, hello to, uh, to all, of you, all of your listeners and uh, enjoy the holidays. Stay safe and enjoy some family time and see you next year. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.